Thank you, Matt. Let us pray. Lord, with you, it's always a matter of the heart. Your heart freely gave Christ to redeem us. Your heart freely loves us. We, on the other hand, we lose heart. And we lose it quickly. We hear your word as threat instead of invitation and death instead of life. Lord, remind us of our new hearts, of the new hearts we have in Christ Jesus. Help us to obey wholeheartedly the teaching of grace entrusted to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I always find it interesting when there's a difficult passage read in Scripture, especially if it's the gospel reading. I always find it interesting at the end when the person says, this is the word of the Lord. And then everyone has to say, thanks be to God. (laughs) I didn't know how you were going to respond this morning after Jackie's the gospel reading, but you actually said, thanks be to God. When I heard it, I went, Oh, Lord, (laughs) have mercy. But as difficult as our reading, our gospel reading is, I actually think our reading from Romans is even harder to swallow. It's a a passage that's even more difficult to, to truly grasp. In fact, in verse 14, there's a verse that says, For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under the reign of grace. Or in verse 18, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. This is hard. These are hard words. We're under the reign of grace. We're a slave to righteousness. I imagine most of you when coming to church today didn't think that you had a master Most of you coming to church today didn't think that you were actually slaves. As Americans, we don't like the idea of serving anyone. America is the land of the free. We decide our president. We have freedom with that. Well, not exactly, but... (laughs) I wish there was a third choice. Anyway. (laughs) I'll stop there. But we're free. We, we decide the clothes we wear, what entertainment we seek, what education to pursue, and so on. The idea that we are under a master, the idea that we are a slave, it's a bit troubling. But that's exactly what Paul is saying in this passage. He's saying that all of us have a master. The master is either sin, which leads to death, or it's grace that leads to life. We all have to serve someone. In fact, I'm reminded of Bob Dylan's song that was entitled, Gotta Serve Somebody. Many of you might remember it. He says, I just will quote a little bit of the song. You may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You might like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls. But, you, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve 
somebody. Or then the very last of it, it says, you may, call, you may call me Terry, you may call me Timmy, you may call me Bobby, you may call me Zimmy, you may call me RJ, you may call me Ray, you may call me anything. But no matter what you say, you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Dr. Seuss has nothing on Bob Dylan. No. <laughs> but it's true. He understands what the Apostle Paul is saying. You all have a master. You all are a slave. You're, this, you're either a master of sin, which leads to death. Not master. You're either a slave of sin that leads to death, or you're a slave of grace that leads to life. Whether you like it or not, when it comes to these matters, you are not free. You don't have a choice in it. You are bound. Now, it's at this point, though, that, that it gets difficult for us, and these words get even harder to, to believe, because when the options are simply sin versus grace, it's hard to understand which one really is our master. I asked Jamie this question just the other day. I said, which one is our master, sin or grace? And she said, can it be both? <laughs> I said, that's how we'd like it to be. But Paul doesn't give us that option. And so when we're pushed between the two, we know the answer is supposed to be grace as Christians. But as we look at our own experience, it seems more like our master is sin. And we know this. And we know this partially because of the church service. Isn't that why we come on Sundays? I mean, the very first thing we do is we confess what? Our sin. We don't confess our grace. We confess our sin. In fact, one of the old, in our hymnal, many of you might remember this confession that goes something like this. We confess that we're in bondage to? Sin. What are we saying there? We're saying we confess that we're in bondage to sin, we cannot free ourselves. We're saying that sin is our master. So I guess whoever wrote that confession didn't read this passage. I mean, the question is, I mean, is sin really our master? That's what the confession says. Well, maybe we should do a different confession, but that's, again, another sermon about hymnals. But that, I don't know if you can do a sermon as much as just bellyache, so I'll stop. Even the rest of the church service, we come to the table, why? For the forgiveness of sin. So it seems like sin is our master. And then we talk about our own experience. In our lives, sin, sin seems to be our master as well. I mean, we, we, we sin all the time. In these verses, we heard Paul tell us that we're supposed to present our members to righteousness. And yet, we so often don't. In fact, there's a wonderful play on words because present your members can also be present your weapons to righteousness. And so our hands, our, our, our hands can serve our neighbor's need, and our feet can run to our neighbor's aid, and our mouths, our tongues can be used to bless God or speak well of our neighbor. That's how we use our, we present our members for righteousness. But is that how we often use our hands and our feet and our tongues? No, we usually use our hands to strike. We use our feet to run into sin. 
Our tongues, which are meant to bless God, often curse or gossip about our neighbors. The very instruments that are used for, are supposed to be used for righteousness aren't. And so we wonder if we're really under the reign of grace. And then there's death. What's the wage of sin? The Apostle Paul tells us it's death. And we know this all too well. We get sick, or loved ones get sick. Tragedy hits us. Death occurs. And we wonder in these times, are we really under the reign of grace, or are we under the reign, the dominion, the power of sin? Did you hear about the Sunday school teacher who wanted to teach her class that they're saved by grace and not works? And to help her little class out, she said, you know, if I sold my house and my car and had a big garage sale and gave all the money to the church, would that get me into heaven? And the kid said, oh, no, that wouldn't. Then the teacher was encouraged and said, if, if I cleaned the church every single day and gave food to the poor, would that get me into heaven? No, that won't. Well, if I, if I loved everyone I came across, loved my, my husband and my children and loved even my enemy, would that get me into heaven? And again, the kid shouted, no. Well, the teacher thought she was really doing a good job. And then finally she said to the class, well, then how can I get to heaven? And she thought the kids were going to say, oh, trust in Jesus. But instead, little Johnny shouted back, you got to be dead. That's how you get to heaven. <laughs> It's true, I know. If we had such faith, and we die, we know that, but when death happens, we don't think, oh, now I get to go to heaven. I mean, when death happens or when we're surrounded by that, it hurts us, it stings us, it, it grabs us, it, it makes us wonder, are we really under the reign of, of, of grace? Maybe we're under the reign of sin. Or when illness hits. Cancer hits. We wonder, what have I done? What didn't I do? Why is God punishing me? Am I really saved? Is God really loving me? Am I under the reign of grace? Or maybe I'm really under the reign of sin. heart. And so we struggle with these words. Well, as Christians, we know in baptism, we've been moved over to the reign of Christ. We have died, been united to his death, and now we're united to his life. We are under the reign, under the dominion of Christ. That means our master really is grace. Isn't that good news? Well, sort of. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is good news. And my hope is that by the end we say, yes, this is good news. But before we get there, we pause because do we really like being under the reign of grace? 
Isn't this a little problematic for us? Because if we're under the reign of grace, well, then we can no longer rely on ourselves. We can no longer trust ourselves. If we're under the reign of grace, then when we look at ourselves, we, we have to say what the Apostle Paul said in verse 19. We are weak in our natural selves. We don't have the mind to completely understand what God's up to in this. And so when it comes to grace, we go, well, what does this exactly mean? I don't know how it works. And even more, if we're under the reign of grace, then we can't rely on our works. Because our works won't save us. Remember to the man who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited to him as righteousness. I mean, if we're under the reign of grace, that means we're the ungodly that are justified by Christ. Our works won't save us. In June 2006, Warren Buffett, who's now, I think, isn't he now the richest man in, in all America, in the world or whatever, in America probably, not the world. Those oil sheiks have, have all the money. We know that. But he announced in 2006 that he would donate 85% of his 44 billion fortune to five charitable foundations. You sit there and you go, you do the math, and you go, only 85% of 44 billion? I mean, come on. Give something that hurts. Give 99.9%. .9%. Then you're really feeling it. I mean, 85, that 15% is enough for him, his family, his generations all to go. But, but this is what he ended up saying. At the very end, he said, there is more than one way to get to heaven, and this is a great way. If we're under the reign of grace, your works won't get you there. If you're under the, uh, the, the reign of grace, no amount of money is going to get you there. Or no amount of works. You can't rely on those things. If you're under the reign of grace, then we really are the ungodly who don't deserve it. And God must give it to us as a gift. That's good news when you're not sinning. But when you're feeling kind of good about yourself, I don't know if we really like those words. I mean, that means I really am in that position? Yes. If we're under the reign of grace, then all we can do is rely on the mercy of God. That's it. But what is the mercy of God? I've told you before, the mercy of God, what does it look like? It looks like, and I've said this before, that when you're but a child, you're carried on your back to the waters of baptism, and there God says you're a keeper. That's the mercy of God. The mercy of God is coming into a church building, knowing that, that you are a sinner, confessing your sins, and hearing the pastor stand up and say, by the mercy of God, Almighty God, your sins are forgiven. That's the mercy of God. I always like that in the confession, that when we confess, we're, we're, we're confessing, saying, God, most merciful God. Why? Because if we have any chance before God whatsoever, it's going to be because of his mercy. I mean, none of us want to begin a prayer by saying, oh, just God. <laughs> oh, God, please be just. Please be just. Especially to my neighbor right down the street. 
Be just to him, O Lord. I mean, there's a funny thing when you pray for God's justice. You might just get it and you, not, and you don't want it. I mean, that's the truth of the matter. And so we begin, O most merciful God. That's the mercy of God. He, he gives to us when we don't deserve it. He claims us in the waters of baptism. He forgives us even when we stand up and we read a confession and our heart's not even in it. He speaks a word of mercy again and forgiveness to us. That's the mercy of God. The mercy that says you're forgiven. You're forgiven. You're mine. You're a keeper. You'll be with me forever. That's the mercy of God. There's a problem with the mercy of God. It's contrary to our experience. It's, it's, it's radically different than what our everyday life looks like. Our everyday life looks like someone cuts you off. You flip them off. The mercy of God is, is something, I mean, that's, that's what our world looks like. You put two coins in a machine to get a, a something back. You work hard to get ahead. That's what our life looks like. The mercy of God is the exact opposite of that. And so how does this add up? Can we really trust what God is saying in these words? I mean, can we really believe wholeheartedly, like the Apostle Paul says, can we really believe wholeheartedly the words, the teaching that's been handed down and trusted to us? I mean, can we really believe that that really is, that God is merciful to us? Our experience says no. But God's yet word says yes. And so can we really trust the mercy of God? Can you, can you really trust that God is merciful to you? That's hard. It's impossible without the Holy Spirit. But even more than that, it's impossible without Christ. But with Christ, with Christ, we know and we can believe the mercy of God. In fact, the very end of that verse says, it says, um, <laughs> for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's that in Christ Jesus, it's that ground of who Jesus is that actually makes us so that we can believe these words. In Jesus, we really can believe that God is merciful. Well, how can we really believe that in Jesus? How can we believe that Jesus is a merciful master? Well, think about it. Jesus left heaven's glory to come down to earth. That's mercy. And when he was on earth, what did Jesus do with his disciples? He washed their feet. And on the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord didn't say, you know, I'm going to get me a whole new bunch of disciples because I know you're going to forsake me tomorrow. Oh, I'm going to teach you a lesson. No, on the night in which he's betrayed, he took bread and broke it and gave it to them. And even more than that, when Jesus came to earth, he was willing to enter into our weakness. He's willing to be a child. He's willing to be a child who had to learn to walk and had to learn to talk. Jesus is willing to enter into our weakness. In fact, 2 Corinthians 13 says, For Jesus was crucified in weakness, but lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him. But in dealing with you, we will live with him by the power of God. 
Jesus also was willing to come under the reign or the dominion of sin. Galatians 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. He was born under the dominion of the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Or what about death? Romans 6, 9. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Now, do you understand what I just said? If death no longer has dominion over him, then death once had dominion over him. Christ was willing to submit himself even to death. So that we who die would no longer be under its dominion, under its power, under its reign. For we are now under the reign of Christ. Can we believe in the mercy of God? Can we believe that we really are under the reign of grace? Can we really believe that God is a good, merciful Father? The answer is absolutely. Of course we can believe it. Because Jesus Christ lived it. And Jesus Christ spoke it. And Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. You are under the reign of grace. You are under the reign of grace that produces life, eternal life for you forever. And so what are we to do with that confession? We confess that we're in bondage to sin. I don't know what to do, but I would love to change it. To say, we confess that we're in bondage to Christ and cannot free ourselves. We confess that we are in bondage to him. We are his. He has claimed you. You cannot free yourself. Oh, but I have so much sin. <laughs> That's not going to free you from his love. Oh, but, but I don't know if I have enough faith. That's not going to free you from his love. But I haven't done enough good works. That's not going to free you from his love. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. 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 We confess that we're in bondage to Christ. We cannot free ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.